Sports Network. All right, we have some uh, we have some scheduling updates. We're moving stuff around, Gordon. Uh, it's fluid. It's re- it's live radio. We'll do it live. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, Frank Dolce is in, uh, you know, he is a big mover and shaker uh, when he's not on the Zone Sports Network uh, and uh, is in a meeting. So he needs to uh, reschedule to 3.30 as opposed to right now. And, of course, uh, we'll take any time we can get with Frank, so no problem sure. there. And then uh, the one and only Scott Gerard will join us at 4.00. And we'll kind of talk about what's going on uh, up at Utah State and also get his first impressions of the coach because Scotty was up there and uh, obviously very close to that program. So uh, we'll get Scotty's perspective uh, coming up at 4 o'clock. So a little change there, a little change. Yes, and we'll look forward to it. Indeed. All right, well, let's talk about the games, uh, Gordon, that happened over the weekend. As uh, uh, let's start with Utah. It was the earlier game on Saturday, but I also want to get your thoughts on uh, on the Cougs uh, roughing up the Aztecs. But let's start with uh, the Utes, and they got off to um, a slow start, Gordon, but a, a, a second half, which was obviously the best football they played all year. And that's true, and that's sort of what I've been expecting to see out of this team, and we've talked about it before. I've written about it before, but I wrote about it again because it is the story of the year. And that is that the Utes this season is, uh, by its very nature, is best suited for the Utes to utilize to put themselves in position for next year. And I, I wouldn't normally say that about any season, but this season is the exception. And I'll be daggone if that young team isn't coming around. And you could see it. Anybody could see it. If you watch that game, you, you saw some, some battles in the first half. Uh, the Utes made some mistakes and uh, things that Kyle Whittingham took note of and once corrected, things like giving up 81-yard punt returns by Jerry's kid, you know, which was a spectacular play. But they Utes gave up other big plays Jerry as well. Reinsdorf? <laughs> Jerry Sloan? No, Jerry R. Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, Jerry Rice. Oh, not Jerry. And uh, but anyway, uh, they they just absolutely took care of their business in the second half. On the first play, they gave up that sixty-one yard uh, pass play to Jerry Son. And uh, but after that, everything the door was absolutely slammed on the Buffaloes, or the shoot was closed. See what I did there? Mm. Wait. You put buffaloes in shoots? No, that's uh, uh, That'd be bulls. more like a kid. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they they shut down the run, and of course the buffaloes have that great running back. They limited him to eighty yards and uh, was ineffective, and they scored twenty eight points in the second half. While Colorado scores seven, that's going to win you games, and they won the turnover battle, Jake. They did, which is uh, something they've obviously struggled with. But yeah, and Colorado, their style of play plays into you know what Utah really likes to stop in the run, and you laid it out there. But I, uh, the Buffs, I thought the Buffs were a little bit pretenders going into this game, and I just kind of confirmed that opinion. Um, but I thought the turnaround from Jake Bentley was uh, was interesting because he was so. I don't, I don't want to be too mean with this, but he, he was so underwhelming throughout these first games. I just expected somebody with his experience to be more 
stable. Does that uh-huh. make sense? Like maybe, yeah. you know, he's a transfer from, from South Carolina and he got beat out there. So maybe, you know, you don't expect them to go out there and, and set the world on fire. But I thought he, he'd be a pretty stable quarterback for what the Utes asked their, their quarterbacks to do. And he wasn't really that until the second half of, of that game. And he had – I was listening to the postgame show here on The Zone and, uh, and Hans and Frank, speaking of Frank. And I'm trying to remember Bentley's quote exactly what he said. But he, he basically said he's – He's not a what happened guy, but a what now guy. And right. I, I and thought I, that was pretty insightful, actually, and, and probably a pretty good way to look at things when you're a quarterback. I was on that Zoom call, and I heard him say that, and it kind of caught everybody's attention, and it made a lot of sense. Uh, you're going to face some adversity, and it's like Jerry Sloan always said, yeah, like like we've talked about so many times before, you can't play backward, right? So you, you move ahead and you don't worry. You learn from it, but you don't worry about it. And you continue to improve. And that's kind of funny coming from, a, like you said, a veteran quarterback who's been around a long time, but is learning a new system and is trying to figure things out. And uh, when you got uh, that Ty Jordan kid behind you, that's going to, that's certainly not going to hurt you at all. Yeah. And Britton Covey, this was the best game he's had in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And another thing is interesting about what Britton Covey said in the post game, and I used it in my column, but he said, well, I feel like my best days are ahead of me. And I think that speaks for the entire team. Utes are going to be good, folks. They may already be there. They're going to be good moving ahead. Got a lot of young players on that team. Uh, think about it. You're, you're running back. Your offensive line. You got your defense. I mean, you replace guys who went on to the NFL, and they they are this thing is shaping up. It is it is looking good. And obviously, you bring up Bentley, and he's if he sticks around for next year, or whether Cam Rising can uh, come up, or or what's the kid from uh, Southern California, Castelli, whether a young kid can come in and and do whatever he's going to do. But somebody has to play that position in order for the youths to f- fulfill their potential. So it looks bright to me. Switching gears uh, to BYU, and they confirmed to me that they are a good team. They beat uh, San Diego State 28-14, and it wasn't the prettiest game the first quarter. I know a lot of BYU fans were uh, not not real pleased with the defense, and the defense looked like it had a couple of holes in it uh, uh, throughout the game. But uh, Zach Wilson was really, really good once again, and BYU came away with a convincing win. Yeah, uh, okay, let's let's tear this apart a little bit. BYU's behind 14-7, to and San Diego State is driving, uh, looking like they're going to score again. And what do they do, Jake? They fumble. And BYU gets the ball. That was a huge play. Huge play. If San Diego State goes up 21-7, to how do you like the Cougars' odds now? Well, it was so early in the game. I get what you're saying, and it was a pivotal moment. And uh, yeah. that's what uh, defenses, you know, we used to talk about the old bend but not break defense. And that's what, you know, if you're not going to have a, a perfect defensive day, sometimes that's what you've got to do is generate those big-time plays at the right moments to get mm. things going back in your in your favor. But, you know, the offense was moving the football. And, and Zach Wilson, as you mentioned, uh, he, he made some nice throws uh, and, and did some good things, as he typically does. Um, and they were playing without Tyler Algier. Yeah, who's obviously one of their best players. Yeah, so so the Cougars are a good team. There is no doubt about that. How good they are, we may never know. Uh, I'd like to have seen them challenged a little more, 
but everybody knows the story behind that and it, it just it just is what it had to be um, so the the other news in BYU world uh, they're going to get to UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl, and uh, I saw Cougar fans griping about it uh, online. And I, hey, I get it. Maybe you wanted to see a P5 team, but I, I really like that matchup. I think UCF's going to be a nice test for BYU. They're a good team. They've lost two games, and both of them were by really slim margins to good teams. I, I think that they could have uh, gotten a, a far worse opponent. Yeah, but everybody wants to see them play a P5 team, Jake. You understand that because they have played. A bunch of they've played a bunch of easier teams, and then they've played a number of good, solid, middle of the road, uh, or at least perceived to be that. Uh, you don't want to, nobody should BYU fans should complain about the matchup because then your team goes out and gets beat, right? Well, <laughs> here's the thing, though, Gordon. I don't think there was going to be many opportunities for BYU to to line up against a, a P5 team, particularly because other P5 teams are dropping like flies. You know, Pitt, Boston College, teams like that are saying, you know what, it's not worth the expense to go to these bowl games. Well, that bumps everybody in the conference up a notch, you know, because they have these relationships with these conferences. So, I, uh, of course, I'd like to see him in the in the New Year Six or the playoff, well, or I want to see him play Alabama, but uh, I don't think. I view UCF as settling per se. I think no, be a not nice settling for BYU. But how many P five teams have BYU played this year? None. Zero. Right, I get it. And so people wanted one opportunity to get a glimpse. Okay. I get that completely. I'm not saying UCF's not a good team. I get it's a good team, but uh, it's BYU fans, and I understand that. I get that they have been robbed this year of not seeing their team go up against uh, the kind of competition that they like to see their team go up against. And so they thought there might be one slim chance to get that opportunity, and now they don't. I bet most BYU fans would rather play a strong marquee P5 program with four losses this year. Well, depending upon how many games they played, but uh, then then a UCF with two losses. That's um, the nature of it. So okay, I, I I suppose glass half full, glass half empty is the way we're looking at this. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm sticking with my glass half full type of type of uh, outlook on this college football season. So I and and let's think about it this way: UCF, uh, a good team; San Diego State, a good team; Boise State, a good team; Coastal Carolina, a good team. Right. Uh, I don't know where you want to throw Houston in that mix. Maybe they're not so good, but you traditionally, know, it, a it's a team. it's another it's another good team that we get to see this BYU good team go up against, and I'm not. Gonna, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm not going to complain about that. And I like the, right. I like the matchup. I, I think this will be a test and another opportunity for this Cougar football team to prove themselves. And that's anytime you get the opportunity when you've been robbed of it so much of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good thing. What, what's the date on that game, bowl game? The 22nd. You know? Is it 22nd? I believe so. So. Uh, so so much for sneaking in another game, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, BYU can finish up, and if they win that game, and if they look good doing it, I think people will have people connected with BYU will have very fond memories of this year. Right, and particularly because they bounced back and beat San Diego State. I think that was really important. You know, to a tough loss against Coastal Carolina. We talked a lot about it last week. Really incredible game. Yard and a half short. 
and they didn't let it phase them. Showed a little toughness, faced a little adversity, and this season didn't become about, you know, oh, you lost to the last two teams on your schedule and you don't even remember everything good that happened before. So, and that's a step forward off a program that was losing to programs it shouldn't have lost to last year. And they didn't do that course, to, this year. And they beat, so they beat some teams that you probably wouldn't expect them to beat last year as well, but uh, that neither one of those things happened this year. Your beloved and Trojans. BYU, yeah. Uh, so BYU is able to, but they've got to fix that run defense, Jake. Yeah, got to fix that. That surprises me a little bit. Uh, I've got to admit. And, and let me ask you this real quick: Do you what do you think of that uh, that three man front? Uh, this that is a philosophy, or this three man yeah. front in particular? I, I mean, as as a, as a defensive structure. Well, I, we've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers dominate with it for. 30 years, 40 years. Um, I think you have to have the right personnel. Um, I, I like it for as a fit for BYU because they have uh, the ability to draft real, or draft, recruit really good linebackers. We've seen them do that for a long time. And so, you know, getting an extra one of those guys on the field probably isn't the worst idea in the world. So maybe it's not quite the greatest fit for this particular Cougar group. I agree with you. They're, they're, Having a lot of trouble stopping the run, and that that certainly is an issue. But I, I like the three four for BYU. Uh, I, if Coastal Carolina had had a three man front and used that against BYU, they would have lost that game. Well, you you uh, you don't like the three four. You don't like a three man front across the board. Well, I don't I don't mind it so much as long as you commit resources to pressure in the quarterback. If you do that, then I like it. Uh, but that's I like aggressive defense. That's uh, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, well, there's no more Especially aggressive defense in the Steelers, or has been, you know. Well, like I said, if you commit the resources, but a lot of times BYU will just hang those eight guys back in the back and just fiddle-faddle around. Well, right, because and they're worried about getting beat on the outside. I get that. Right. And dropping eight, by the way, has been a, a really good defense for them at times this year. Yeah. Particularly when going up against, like, air raid teams. You notice Mike Leach is just terrible in the SEC because they figured out real quick, like, wait a minute, if we drop eight, this offense stinks. <laughs> I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't mind it. I don't hate it, but commit some resources to pressure in a quarterback if you're going up against a good one. All right. If, if, you're, going, if, you're, going up, if you're going up against one that isn't really all that good, then it doesn't matter that much. All right, the Pac-12 uh, or matchups for this upcoming weekend are out, and we've already had a change, Gordon. Uh, we were going to get uh, USC and Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. That's not going to happen. Washington announced that they're not going to be able to go by Friday. So in steps the Mighty Ducks of Oregon at 3-2 and two to go up against USC at 5-0. and oh in the Pac-12 title game. The other games, of course, Utah uh, draws Washington State at 11.30 on Saturday. Uh, 6 o'clock, you'll have Stanford at UCLA. I don't know what they're going to do with Oregon, Colorado. I have no idea. Have you seen an announcement on that, uh, Austin, what they're going to do with Colorado? I, I have no idea. And then you've got Arizona State and Oregon State at 8.30. Mm-hmm. And Arizona Cal has already been canceled. So Arizona State coming off that 70-7 to win over the – Cats. And Kevin Sumlin. Uh, not gone. Not the coach at Arizona anymore. Uh, and but, hey, wow. Jay Hill has been, uh, and Kalani himself have been listed on possible replacements for Sumlin at Arizona. So there's something to keep an eye on. But at 0 5, I'm sure they're not all that disappointed. They're not playing this weekend. But Would you be excited about taking over that program? 
Uh, no. But you get a Pac-12 paycheck with it. I'd be pretty yeah. excited about that. It'd be nice. Now, I don't think Arizona is a place you can't win. Mm, yeah, I agree with that, but it's 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 risky. Chancy down there. Oh, man, I, I think most coaches, I think there's a lot of coaches out there would gladly uh, take that job. Get Greg Hansen on the phone, will you? They, I mean, Rich Rod had some success there. If his uh, wonky personal life didn't screw it up, he might still be there. <laughs> remember yeah, that I, story I, where he had his assistant uh, separate his wife and his girlfriend on the sideline? You remember that? <laughs> you imagine being that assistant? Oh, man. Where, can you imagine Rich Rod having that conversation you, with his assistant? Hey, hey. How do you, how do, you do that? What? How do, you, how do you how do you keep them separated? How do you run interference? You never run interference for a friend before? Uh, I can't remember. Well, maybe, but not not like that. No, maybe not that exact situation. But uh, I've run interference when a when a buddy's ex shows up at the party. You never had to do that. <laughs> Was it like that? Like that? Get run over like that? <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, if I were Rich Rod's assistant, though, I would certainly say like, hey, I don't know if this is really in the job description. I have to run interference for your crazy personal life. That doesn't sound like a thing I should be doing. Yeah, I think I'd rather keep two linebackers away from each other. Yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rich Rod, point is, Rich Rod had some success there, and they've seen some other blips, of course, uh, on the radar. I, I wonder, and PK always disagrees with me on this, and he's an Arizona guy, so he probably knows better than I do, but I, I always wonder why Arizona and Arizona State, why you couldn't win there. I mean, they're attractive schools, right? The weather is good. Um, I don't understand why you couldn't. And, and PK talks about how they lose all that local talent. Everybody goes everywhere, and that's how it's always been and will never change. But I don't understand how those two programs can't be better. Well, I agree with you completely, Arizona state-wise. But Arizona, I've been there many, many times for various events, and uh, it seems like a real nice place. I'm just basing it off... What I've seen in the past as far as the pattern for success or lack thereof. I had a friend once who was an entrepreneur. He not an entrepreneur, but he's a businessman. He used to take over, he used to he had a number of businesses. And he said every time he ever thought that he could change a business out of his own brilliance, he lost money on that deal. So it always makes me wonder about coaches that think I can go in there and make a place that has never really won consistently, win consistently. Why? Because I'm smarter than everybody that went before me. But, yeah, we've seen that a bunch of times, right? We've seen I, – I don't think it's that common. Clemson was okay forever. Well, okay. If not crappy. I, I mean, and there, now they're the are, best team. Uh, they're like a, a dynasty. Uh, and that's the way most coaches think, that I really can make this different. But I, you look at the programs that have been bad over a long period of time, and when they replace the coach, I bet you your odds are 75 to 25 that that, that outfit is going to go on losing. Uh, didn't Utah stink out loud before uh, our boy Ronnie Mack got there? Like I said, there are some outliers. What was Florida but, State like before Bowden? I don't know. Crappy. What was BYU before Lavelle? They had risen up to be semi-decent in the years ahead of that. Who was it? The, who was the coach who got it rolling at Miami? Because Miami wasn't much before the 80s, Howard right? Schnellenberger? Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, I, I, the Gary Anderson at Utah State the first time. Like I said, you can pick out the 25%, but I bet you go down and look at all the coaches who took over and tried to make it. Like you say, you bring up Gary Anderson, but what about all the guys before? Well, you're, like you're just saying guy. that you can't change the trajectory no, of the program. I, I said don't the agree. odds are against you. Uh, Blake can't. Anderson, Arkansas State. I didn't say you can't. I said the odds are long. Let's see. Who else could we think of? You you keep going, Jake. But but I'm telling you, there's a lot more who have that have struggled rather than have. Mike Bellotti, Oregon. <laughs> Oregon was a hot mess. Oh uh, come on, Bilotti Phil Knight dumped uh, five hundred million dollars into the program. I'm just telling you, go back and look. Mike Bellotti, Oregon. Their record before he got there was not good. Okay, so you've named between five and ten. Oh, we could go. We could go on forever. Oh, Jake, I could name you a hundred if I took the time to go through and look. All right, we'll have uh, Frank Dolce coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Would you consider Would you consider this music honky-tonk? It's bluegrass. Yeah, bluegrass. Bluegrass. Yeah. This this kind of music. I I was uh, when the Jazz were playing the Rockets in the playoffs many many years ago. I was with a group of uh, uh, media members, including DJ, and we went over to a uh, to a what do you call them a club, and it was uh, it had seven different music rooms in it, and I went into one of those uh, rooms and they were playing this kind of music, and I couldn't believe how good it was. Man, it was so fun to listen to. And it wasn't really my kind of music. But listening to it, especially live, yeah, I was I was really impressed. Are, do you like this kind of music? Yeah, I like bluegrass, uh, bluegrass a lot. Yeah, it's mm. way good. You should go to a bluegrass festival sometimes, Gordon. Uh, sometime, Gordon, there. Good fun. What's the proper way to dress for something like that? I don't know. Like your dress now? What do you mean, <laughs> what's the proper way to dress? I don't know. Do, I, do you do, do I, you base your wardrobe based on like uh, what type of music you're going to see? Like when you oh, go yeah. uh, see, I'm don't, a you, don't you go to Reba all the time? What, what do you uh, what do you put on? Do you put on the 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 coat with the fringe things? You know the the leather. Uh, what do they call those tassels. things? The tassels that dangle off there, and your your cowboy boots and your your uh, stetson. I'll tell you one thing. I went to uh, I went to a uh, a country concert once with my wife, and she put on. She put on those cowboy boots and she put on a, a cow, cowboy, cowgirl hat, whatever you call it. And I'm telling you what, that, that was some good. That was a good style choice. I, I like that. But you don't need to hear me drone on and on about how beautiful my wife is, do you? Did she put uh, a, like a like a tin of chew in the back pocket just to <laughs> to really get the look down? Next time, I'll make sure and supply that. Okay. Here, honey. <laughs> Please take a while. Did she did she roll did, a pack of cigarettes up in her uh, in her shirt sleeve? <laughs> do you have a 
Do you have a recommendation on a kind of chewy tobacco that uh, she should consider? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, our Ute insider, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, Frank Dolce. What's up, Frank? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Hey, we hope you're doing well, Frank. Uh, give us uh, your takeaways from Utah's win up there in Colorado. Uh, well, I, you know, I thought in a lot of ways uh, that's that's the kind of um, performance that we were hoping for out of Utah. Although, although you know, it it may have just been the timing of the performance that made. Make, make people feel better about it because, um, you know, Utah played a really good first half against Washington and then blew it in the second half. And then in, in this game, I, I thought Utah played kind of an average first half and then, and then really took control of the game in the second half. And, and then the way you finish is, is how people think about the way you played. For, for the whole game. So, you know, people are saying, well, we finally put four quarters together and it was a complete effort. And I don't know if I would agree with that. I think the performance overall was where Utah should be um, and, and win and, and how they should win games like that. Um, but I didn't, I still didn't think it was a complete four quarter performance. I thought they finished well and, and still there's, you know, lots of improvement for this football team. Along those lines, Frank, I I don't know what was being said in the locker room at halftime, but I thought the the difference in the offensive line from the first half to the second half was key to that victory. Would you agree? And you've been a part of these halftime speeches and whatnot. What goes on in order to transform uh, the, the performance of a unit like that? Well, there's lots of different things. And, you know, the great coaches... Um, can ha- have a real sense of, of what their guys are up to and what the emotion is of the game. And sometimes it, sometimes it literally is just, you know, you need to get punched in the face and then, and then you wake up and you start, you start performing. That happened, that happened to me several times in my career when it was just, you know, I just needed to change the, the, the urgency in the game. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as, you know, we're, we're a tweak away from everything working. You know, instead of this, whatever step you're making here, this is what you need to do. Um, keep your eyes here on when we call this play. This is what they're doing on the offensive side. This is how we, this is the solution. And so my guess is that, um, I didn't see necessarily a lack of effort. It was more kind of a lack of execution in the first half. My guess is that it was, you know, much more of a let's make these tweaks, let's make these adjustments, and when we do that and we start having success and it'll snowball, and that that feels like what happened. Frank, what did you think about the news today that uh, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore will both be transferring? Well, I, it's disappointing. I mean, uh, I, I, I guess I, in, in one way I understand it. In one way I, 
I blame the nonsensical system that we have today that, you know, everybody can go somewhere else and leave and transfer and, and do all that without much of a penalty or punishment. And I don't know, I don't know if I feel like that really builds character uh in in lots of in in lots of ways i feel like this is a time in in the history of america where we need people to keep building character and that feels like a not not the way to do it um and but i still you know you don't want to limit or eliminate anybody's opportunity but i i i was disappointed by it i thought those two guys uh or i think those i think those guys are very talented um and I, you know, I, I hope they go on elsewhere and have success. I think that they could have, you know, success at Utah. And, and it's, you know, very difficult for a guy to go through his career or even through a season in that position and, and not have time off the field. Um, so, you know, it's disappointing. I think Utah's losing some real talent in the offensive backfield. Um, and, and, but, but Jordan seems like, you know, he's the guy and, and Utah's just going to have to figure out a way to, to reload. What was your evaluation of Jake Bentley's performance? Because, uh, again, the, it was, uh, substantial. That second half looked pretty good on his part. Do you think that's the truth? Yeah. The second half felt like what, what Bentley should be. You know, even in the first half, if you look at if you look across the first half, there were plays in that first half where you still thought, "Gosh, you know, he needs to be able to make that play um, in that particular situation." And 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 then you roll through the second half, and I, I think a lot of fans had much more of a sense of, "Yeah, this is what this is what we were expecting out of Bentley," and and he performed really well. It felt like he kind of had control of the team and he knew what he wanted to do with the football and and where he wanted to go with the ball and guys were getting open. All of that said, I mean, Bentley's performance was, was really good in the second half. But, but I think back to the point that you were making, Gordon, is, is probably the critical point, is that the offensive line took control of the game in, in the second half. And when the offensive line wins – then everybody else's job becomes a lot easier. If like we've said this a thousand times, if it's not happening up front, it's not happening. And so to see, it's no coincidence that that in a dominant second half performance by the offensive line, Jake Bentley has maybe his best half as a as a youth. Frank, I'm uh, I'm going to uh, change subjects here for just one second, and just a precursor to this question, I asked Coach Mack the same thing, just so you know. But uh, you okay. you have known uh, Coach Sharif Shaw for a very very long time, former teammates, if I'm not uh, not mistaken, and, and known his family very well. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? No comment. <laughs> We're gonna leave it at that. Let, <laughs> let me just. Tell you. Let, let me just tell you this. I'll, I, I'll only address it this way because uh, I, I consider Sharif Shah more than a friend. Um, he's more like a family member to me, uh, and his family is as well. I mean, we, we know Sharif, and we know Little Reef, and we know Omar, and we, we certainly know Jen. 
Uh, and we, as a family, we love those guys dearly. And uh, Sharif Shah is one of the most talented and dynamic individuals that you'll ever know in your life. And if you don't know him, then you should make it a point to get to know him um, because he's meaningful. He's a meaningful person and his family is meaningful. And let me just be clear, the portrayal, and I've not seen it. I've only heard reports of it. I've seen glimpses of it. I, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. The portrayal of, um, of Jin Shaw is – uh, is not what I would call an accurate portrayal of the individual. Coach Mack um, said, so, so, said the same thing, by the way. So is what you're saying, Frank, he, is he that is, if you had is, to if you had is, to put up with her the way she acts on the show, you would excuse yourself from that. Yeah, she's she is a substantive person. She's a substantive individual, and if you if you know her kids. Uh, then you know something more about Jen Shaw uh, because her kids are fantastic, both of them, salt of the earth, and and uh, and there's a reason that they're that way. Certainly, Sharif has something to do with it, uh, but but Mom is um, is a, is critical in the upbringing of those kids, and and so. Uh, I, you know what? It's just not my thing. Reality, reality TV isn't my thing for lots of reasons, and 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 this is one of the reasons that, you know, who, however many people watch the show, are never going to have the right impression, the accurate impression of of Jin, in my opinion. Now, is there, Frank, uh, I, I, I got I to follow that up, though, Jake. It, it, are you saying then, like, for instance, if you had to come up with a one-word description for the way she acts on the show, what word would you use? <laughs> uh, or you, could use a noun. you could use a noun. Yeah. I think it's contrived. I think it's... I think it's... Uh, it's uh, a Fictitious. dramatization. It's mm. yeah. It's a dramatization. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm probably speaking out of school here, I, and I don't. I if 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 I would ever if I ever said anything that was offensive to Sharif or his family, I would die a thousand deaths. And I don't want it to be that. Not at all. Hey, uh, can, I, I, can I say this real quick, Frank? Because I, I asked you that as kind of a, a just a, really a joke. As somebody who actually watches the show, and because uh, I I just am a glutton for that kind of entertainment, especially when it, there's a tie to us here uh, locally. <laughs> uh, after Coach Max said similar things that you did, you kind of watch it through a different perspective and you get a different impression of her, I think, as a person. But also say this Sharif and those kids have been stars of it they've been like the 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 most um 
positive part of the show. They're not in it a ton, but when they are, they come off great. So I, I was kind yeah. of asking you that as, as a little bit of a joke, and we went to a little bit down a serious uh, uh, serious angle. But uh, I'll say this. Sharif and those kids come off great. And if you do watch it from the lens of, okay, this is a bit of an act, it, it, you can kind of appreciate it in a different way. So I apologize for painting you into a corner, Frank. That was not my, uh, my intention. Take why don't you go ahead and ask him what his opinion is on The Bachelorette while you're at it. I'm sorry, Frank. I didn't mean to, to paint you into no. an awkward position. I don't feel bad at all. I mean, I, I, but I, I do want to, I do want to be on the, in the corner of the Shaw family. And I just don't think that's real. I mean, it's like, to me, it's almost like, you know, I, I like the movie, the equalizer. And I think, you know, Denzel Washington is fantastic in that movie, but outside of that movie set, can you imagine Denzel Washington walking around acting like that on a daily basis? No, it's an act. That's what he does. That's what he did for you know, and he's really good at it. Um, so I, I kind of, I kind of put it in that, in that vein. Uh, and like I said, it, I, I, if, if anything that I, I said or say about this is offensive to that family, I would die a thousand deaths because, because like I said, we, we. We consider those guys family to us. Well, and you know, the ironic part of that show is they call it Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. All of them, <laughs> to my knowledge, are very successful business uh, business ladies, business women, excuse me. Yeah. I, and that's the other thing. Is, this, is that really an accurate portrayal of the, of the, of the quote-unquote housewives no. of Salt Lake City? It's not. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Jake, you want to ask Frank any other questions that could get him in uh, in, in trouble? I don't. Uh, maybe I don't. ask about I mean, his laws or we, maybe, you know. What's your pin number, what Frank? Coming up? <laughs> what do we have coming up here with Jake? We have, what, what do we have? Capital punishment and pro-life versus yeah. pro-choice <laughs> next. We'll get into it. We'll dig deep. Uh, Frank, thank you. As always, you're, you're great. I appreciate you, man. Hey, you guys are the best. I appreciate it, Jake. Uh, don't, don't, don't ever, don't feel bad about that question. I'm totally comfortable answering that and talking about it. And and I hope you guys get, got a sense of where where I'm coming from and, and my my uh, feelings for those guys. Absolutely, one hundred percent. We appreciate you, Frank. Thanks. A- absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. See ya. Yeah, I was just asking that as a joke, and then you and Frank get off on this whole, uh, you know, serious tangent. No, I was trying to be, I was trying to just be funny, too. I didn't mean it seriously. You asked Frank if he were married to her character, if he would leave her. (laughs) Again, it was a joke. (laughs) I don't know, Jen, but I I imagine that. I believe what Frank and and Max say, that she's a a fine woman. Mm. Yeah. All right. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Scott Gerard is going to join us coming up right around the corner. Uh, we'll talk to Scotty about what's going on up at Utah State. They introduced a new head football coach today, Craig Anderson. We have that up uh, online for you, 1280thezone.com. And he reminded me, Gordon, a lot of uh, Craig Smith, their, the, the basketball coach. I think you said Craig Anderson. What did I say, Craig Anderson? Sorry, Blake Anderson, Craig Smith. Thank you, Gordon. Sorry about that. Uh, but they, he, he, his energy reminded me of, of Craig Smith. Well, it's good to have energy when you're named uh, as head coach at a new place. Yeah, I mean, now we'll see if he'll be able to uh, implement the things that uh, he was successful implementing at Arkansas State. And I don't know if he will or he won't, but I'm, I'm going to be paying attention uh, to see if he does. And uh, he thanked everybody at Arkansas State. It sounded like he he left that program with a pretty good relationship. They did mention the, you know, the school uh, lessening his buyout because they were sympathetic to his situation. And I I thought the part about the energy, I, it it seemed like he was genuinely excited about a fresh start. And uh, I think that's a good thing. What do you think about him bringing back Chucky Keaton? Yeah, I think that's a smart move. I mean, Chucky's a bright guy and obviously a great player. And uh, he has stayed attached to the program a little bit. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think Chucky, I think highly of him. I don't know uh, specific recruits to back this up, but I would bet Chucky uh, turns into a pretty solid recruiter. Yeah. Just has that kind of personality. Uh, and they, uh, Austin and I continue talking about Sharif Shah off the air there during the break. And uh, Sharif has one of those magnetic, you know, kind of really personable <laughs> connect type personalities. And, and Chucky was always that way at Utah State, too. I mean, you and I both uh, interviewed him uh, on the on these radio shows uh, a bunch of times. And he always came off like, wow, I really like that dude. So yeah. if you can put that to coaching and recruiting, he could be a real asset. And I've had some subsequent uh, opportunities to have a conversation with Chucky, and uh, it seems like a real bright guy. Yeah, no doubt about it. So there's uh, what's going on at Utah State. We'll talk to Scotty a little bit about it. Coming up next, stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.